Now let's turn our Bibles together to Hebrews 11, 8 to 22 for today's scripture reading. I'll give you a moment to find these passages in your Bibles. It starts on page 1007 in the Pew Bibles. The ESV version of the text will be displayed on the screen. Again, that's Hebrews 11, 8 to 22. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, in him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was, in fact, in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. May God bless the reading of his word. Today, seminarian Paul Kang will preach on the topic of faith that embraces promises, continuing our sermon series, Jesus is Better, with part three, Therefore. First, Pastor Jeff will introduce Paul. Morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the uh, pastors here at Crossbridge. Uh, this morning, uh, I'm not going to be preaching, but we will be hearing the preaching of God's Word from one of our seminarians, as uh, when mentioned, uh, Paul Kane. Uh, for those of you who don't know Paul, Paul has been attending Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, working uh, towards his MDiv. And for the past year or so, he's been part of Crossbridge. Uh, you might have seen him lead worship. Uh, you might have seen him part of Karis, uh, serving there and, and helping out there. Um, so he's been studying hard, working hard, and, and raising, raising his, his uh, newborn baby as well. So let's give our attention to the preaching of his word. Hear me okay? All right. Awesome. Well, 
Good morning, Crossbridge. It's a <laughs> wow. <laughs> Good morning. Um, it's a joy and it's an honor to be here with you uh, this morning. I know that for the for the past couple months we've had to go back fully online, and it's been difficult not to be able to get the fellowship and the community um, that we get to enjoy while we're together in person. Well, today I'm excited to share this message with you because it's a message about hope. And hope is something that we find in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's something that we really need to understand and to hold on to um, in order for us to live uh, these days faithfully um, before Jesus. So with that being said, I want to begin today by sharing a story with you about, about a man named Dave. Now, Dave, he didn't have much. He was blue-collar, he was uneducated, and he lived out of his trailer on the streets in Los Angeles. He wasn't married, he didn't have any kids, and he didn't have any extended family who cared for him. He was alone in every sense of the word. Now, one day he met a man who happened to be the CEO of his own company. And as the two became acquainted with one another, the CEO gave him a proposal. He told him that he would allow him to park his trailer on company grounds and to work for him in exchange for his manual labor. If anything needed to be fixed on company grounds, he would ask Dave to do it. If anything needed to be cleaned, he would ask Dave to do that as well. The CEO also continued by promising a large payment that he would give to him at the end of his employment. The idea was that at the end of his employment, uh, throughout the years of his employment, he would continue to add funds into this account and that it would grow over time so that he can give him a large lump sum at the end of it. So Dave, he was all in. He trusted the CEO's word, and he was loyal. He worked day in and day out tirelessly, putting his heart and soul into the company. Years passed, but one day, the CEO became deathly ill, and he suddenly passed. When Dave approached the CEO's family members about the agreement that he made with him, they refused to make any payments and this battle went all the way to court. Now, I was in court that day with Dave as a jury member. I remember the, families came, the family members came looking sharp and polished, and they hired a professional lawyer. Dave walked in alone, wearing scraggly clothes, and he re represented himself. He stumbled, his stumbled over his words, and he had a hard time making his case. After a few days of deliberation, the 12 of us jury members went into a room, and we came to a decision. Dave did not have enough solid evidence for us to find the family guilty, and so he walked away penniless. I share this story with you this morning to challenge us all with a question. What is it that keeps me going 
each day. For Dave, it was having a place to park his trailer and the promise of a future inheritance. What about you? What is it that keeps you going each day? Maybe if you're a student, it's probably the promise of your high school diploma or your college diploma、uh, that officially recognizes you for having finished your coursework. This, you're hoping, will give you a better chance at landing your dream job someday. If you're single, maybe it's the hope that one day you'll meet somebody, fall in love, get married, and start a family. If you're a parent, you're probably motivated by making sure that you can provide for your family for the years to come. That they have a roof over their heads and food on the dinner table. Now, if you have a toddler, or if you're a toddler, maybe it's that candy bar that was promised to you if you just stop screaming for the next 30 minutes. The truth is that on some level, we are all looking towards something in the future. We want to hold on to something in the future. That is sure. Because this will give us meaning today and it'll shape the way that we live our lives in the day to day. To put into other words, hope for tomorrow gives us strength for today. In our passage today, we encounter a couple who decided to place all their hope on God's promises to them. And of course, the couple I'm referring to is Abraham and Sarah. Now, if we go back a few weeks ago to the end of chapter 10, we saw the author of Hebrews encouraging us, or encouraging the, Hebrew,、uh, the, Hebrew, the Hebrews by telling them that they need to persevere because they are of those who have faith rather than those who shrink back. And so he continues in this chapter by giving us a few examples of people who really lived this out, who really lived out the faith and the hope that they have、um, in God. And so in verses 8 through 12 and 17 through 19, we encounter Abraham and Sarah. What, what he wants us to understand is that both Abraham and Sarah lived by faith. They believed in God's promises and acted upon them. He's referring back to Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, God asks Abraham to leave his home and to go to an unknown location. What's astonishing about this is that scholars agree that when God made, met Abraham and spoke to him this command and this promise, Abram was probably an idol worshiping pagan. That means that he did not know who God was. He did not have any prior relationship to him. What's also interesting to note in verse 4 is that you see that Abram was 75 years old when he decided to obey God. This is important because just a chapter prior in Genesis 11, You see an account of all his ancestors that went before him and about the age that they were when they gave birth to their first child. 
And if you look carefully and if you observe, you'll see that almost all of them, they gave birth to their first child when they were around the age of 30. So the fact that Abram was 75 years old and his wife Sarah was barren at this time is significant. It meant that his future was insecure. He, he did not have something to look forward to or to hold on to. But we see that God approaches him and he promises to Abram two things. He promises to make him a great nation, which is insane because at the time he did not have a child and Sarah was barren. God also promises that all the families of the earth will be blessed through him. And upon hearing these things, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, it says that, and so Abram went, as the Lord had told him. Now I want us to pause for a moment here on that verse. I want to read that again. Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, and so Abram went, as the Lord had told him. I think this begs the question of you and me today. When was the last time that we obeyed the Lord? The last couple of years have been incredibly difficult. We've experienced and are continuing to experience a global pandemic together. Many of us have experienced personal loss. And if we haven't experienced loss, I think I think it is safe to say that almost all of us in here have experienced the heightened level of anxiety and fear. In addition to this, we felt the tension and uncertainty of political instability, both locally and internationally. We have also felt estranged and ostracized as a number of Asian hate crimes have skyrocketed. With all that's been going on, we have been constantly bombarded with messages that have been speaking to us. We've been bombarded with constantly changing government mandates, with leaders in the church implicitly telling us who to and who not to vote for, and with society telling us that we don't belong. It has been easy in the noise of it all, to drown out and to become numb to the voice of God. So we must ask ourselves, when was the last time that we obeyed the Lord? Abram was a pagan when he made the bold decision to live in obedience. For, the, for us today, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. When was the last time that we've leaned into that tugging? It's interesting to note that Abram was not given the next direction until he obeyed the first. So for us today, I think we can ask ourselves, what was the last thing that God asked you to do? Maybe you felt God leading you to provide support and neighborly love to the Afghan family that just moved. Maybe you sensed God urging you to give a phone call to that one family member or friend that you haven't talked to in a really long time 
to tell them that you love them and that you're, that you're thinking of them. I would urge you to lead in, lean in to God's leading. Now, some of you might be wondering, wait a minute, did Abraham and Sarah really live by faith? A lot of you might be familiar with the story, although for some of you, it might be new. For those of you who are familiar, you guys will know that Abraham tried to sell out Sarah to Pharaoh in Egypt. Not only that, Abraham and Sarah also had Ishmael together through Hagar because they grew impatient with God in waiting for the son of the promise. In Genesis, we also see that Sarah laughed in disbelief when God said that she will give birth to a child. But even in all of this doubt, and even in all this disobedience, we see God's purposes remain all throughout Genesis. We see that God protected Sarah in Egypt against Pharaoh. God still blesses Ishmael, but says that it will still be Sarah's seed who he will establish his covenant with. And when Sarah laughs in disbelief, God replies by saying, is anything too hard for the Lord? And he still says that she will give birth to a son. Now it's clear that both Abram and Sarah experienced doubts. And they even lived in disobedience from time to time. But ultimately, throughout the chapters in Genesis, we see God reminding them over and over again of his promise to them. And they choose to believe him. Eventually, after 25 years of waiting, they give birth to Isaac, the son of the promise. And through all these years of, of walking with God, believing in his promise, having doubt, experiencing disobedience, Abraham and Sarah has built up this relationship with God where they've had, where they've learned what faith with God looks like. And so even, as you guys might know, and it's, it shares with us in verses 17 through 19, when God asks Abram to sacrifice the, the son whom he promised to him, he did not hesitate, and he walked in obedience. So we see that faith believes in God's promises and acts upon them. We see through Abram and Sarah that we, what a life of faith looks like. It's believing in God's word and in his promises and taking those steps of obedience. So you think, great, I just have to do these things and my life will be set. Unfortunately, I hate to break this news to you, but faith goes beyond seeing these promises fulfilled in our life. You see, Abraham did not experience the fullness of the fulfillment of God's promise to him. He only saw a small glimpse of it through the birth of his son, Isaac. Hebrews eleven thirteen states, these all died in faith. These all referring to Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, 
and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Now, I believe that this is the key verse of our passage. You see, Abram and his heirs lived the nomadic lifestyle. In verse 9, it says that they were living in tents. And they lived in and around the promised land without taking it because it was inhabited. Ultimately, they had to accept that they were strangers and exiles. What is it that kept them going? They didn't see the fulfillment of all of God's promises to them, but they still believed in the God who had promised to them. They greeted these promises from afar. They believed that God will eventually fulfill them. Tomorrow's hope gave them strength for today. In Hebrews 11, 14 through 16, we read, For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. You see, Abraham and his descendants, as they were living in and around the promised land, not able to fully see the fulfillment of the promise that God has given to them, they had every opportunity to go back to their homeland. Things were familiar there. Things were easy there. They had friends. They had family. But they decided to choose the more difficult, the more difficult life, the one that required faith. Ultimately, they wanted to be in the city that God promised to them because they wanted to be in God's presence. Now, this would have been convicting to our Hebrew listeners who were tempted to go back into their old ways. So the tension that we can sense here is, will they choose to embrace tomorrow's hope, the hope that they have in Jesus, or will they turn their backs to God? The author of Hebrews wants to remind them that tomorrow's hope, the hope that they have in Jesus, should give them strength for today. Now, many of you guys know that Lindsay and I, we moved out here to New England in September of 2020. In many ways, it was a difficult decision for us to move out here. Prior, you might know that we lived in sunny and beautiful Hawaii, Yes, we lived in sunny and beautiful Hawaii. However, it was through prayer about a, about a decade ago when I felt called to pursue my degree at Gordon-Conwell. And so as we were about to get married, there were a lot of different things that could have dissuaded us from making the move here. And in many ways, we have felt like strangers in this land. You see, some of the factors that could have dissuaded us is that it was at the height of the global pandemic. On top of that, we were married just two weeks before we decided to move here. And also on top of that, the obvious, it is way too cold here as, as we're all experiencing together today. In all of this, we had to choose faith. We had to choose to trust in God's leaning. 
And both Lindsay and I can attest to you that it's not been easy. Oftentimes, it's been lonely. But what we need to do is to continue to trust that through our steps of obedience, that God will bring about his purposes. And if not now, where we'll see his purposes, maybe in the generations to come. Some of you might be thinking to yourselves, This all sounds really hard. Do I really need to live in such a way and possibly not even see the fruit of my obedience? Isn't it easier to just live a life, a a, a quiet life, work hard, pay my bills, and go to church? My question to you is, does living this way require faith? Verse 6 states that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I would urge us to allow room in our hearts for God to challenge us in our faith. Faith goes beyond seeing promises fulfilled in this life. Not only are we called to continue to hold on to God's promises, even when we never see the fruit of our obedience in this life, we are called to persevere until the end. And that's the final point that we have. Faith perseveres to the end. In verses 20 to 22, we see the author of Hebrews focusing on Abraham's heirs. Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And what's astonishing is that he chooses to talk about their faiths at the end of their lives. He doesn't make mention of anything about how they lived their lives. He focuses on the faith that they had as they were old and as they were on their deathbeds. This shows that they trusted in God's promise to their father, Abraham as they were heirs of that same promise. We see that Isaac was at old age when he blessed Jacob and Esau. Jacob was near death when he blessed his sons and prophesied about what God would do in the lives of Joseph's sons. Joseph, near death, ensured his hearers that God will deliver them from Egypt one day and asked that they would bring his bones with them. In the New Testament, we see that in Matthew 12, 34, it states that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when we see this account of Abraham's sons, we see that they spoke something. What was in their hearts? It was faith. They spoke these things in faith even when they didn't see the fulfillment throughout these generations of all of God's promises to Abraham. Tomorrow's hope 
gave them strength for today. Now, I think now that it's a few thousand years after this promise that God made to Abraham, we can ask ourselves, as we have all this history, did God fulfill his promise to Abraham? And my answer to you, of course, would be a resounding yes. He did fulfill his promise to Abraham, and he is continuing to fulfill them. It was through Abraham's line, as you see all throughout Genesis, that we got our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who through his obedience, who through his life, death, and resurrection, he purchased salvation for us. A study of, from the Center for the Study of Global Christianity at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary shows us that in 2018, about four years ago, there were 2.5 billion Christians in the world. This shows us that as when God met Abram, who was a pagan at the time, and when he decided to follow him, this is the fruit that we've seen, and it's continuing to grow. There's rapid growth right now of Christianity in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. The Hebrews themselves were also direct recipients, direct beneficiaries of God's promise to them. And so they are being called to persevere in faith until the end, just as we are being called to, to do the same today. Faith perseveres to the end. So Crossbridge, what we are called to is a life of faith. I began this morning by sharing with you a story about Dave. Dave worked tirelessly for years because he trusted a promise. Unfortunately, the promise that he trusted in did not have a strong foundation. And he walked away not having received the things that he looked towards. What are we looking towards? If we are looking towards anything other than God, his kingdom, and his promises, I pray that this will be a sober reminder that those other things will fade. They will fail you. However, on the flip side, if our hope is fully set on God, rest assured that he is a firm foundation. He can never fail. Now, there's no promise in the Bible that tells us that living this way will be easy. But we're asked to hold on to God's promises to us for the things to come because he is faithful and he has proven himself to be true over and over again. So when he promises in Matthew 28, 20, that he will be with us until the end of the age, we need to believe that he's right here with us, even in our own mess and our own brokenness. When he promises in Romans 8.28 that he will work all things out for the good of those who love him. We need to believe that no matter what happens in our lives, he has a redeeming purpose. And that he's in the process of fixing all that has gone wrong. When he promises in Revelation 21.4 that one day he is coming back. And will wipe away every tear from our eyes and that there will be no more sadness or pain. 
we must believe that there will be an end to our suffering. With all the promises that God has given to us for the future, he wants us to know, he wants us to live our lives by faith, believing him to be true. He wants us to know that hope for tomorrow gives us strength for today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for hope. We thank you for the hope we have in you, that we have through your son, Jesus. Without your presence, without your faithfulness to us, we would be aimless and purposeless. So we thank you that you have shown us the way. So we thank you, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we ask that for each and every one of us here, that we would be encouraged today that you are a firm foundation and that you will never fail. We thank you for your never-ending love towards us. In Jesus' name.